Hello, I'm Nigella Lawson and these are my Summer Sound Bites, three podcasts in celebration of summer cooking and eating, produced in collaboration with my publisher's Vintage. Now, I'm unapologetic about being a home cook rather than a chef. Real cooking, the sort that goes on in homes, doesn't have to be tricksy or difficult. A dish of chicken poached with leeks and carrots definitely isn't fancy. But it tastes good and feels essentially nourishing to both body and soul to cook and eat. I want you to feel that I'm there with you in the kitchen as you cook. My books are the conversations we might be having and these podcasts are an extension of that. Nigella, it's the the final episode of your podcast and what I want to start off by asking is what are you cooking right now? Well, I'm afraid I'm not going to be entirely forthcoming. Uh, not because I'm trying to ignore your question, but simply because I'm hatching a new book. So a lot of what I'm cooking has to remain a mystery for now. And also because the wonderful thing about writing a book and beginning a new one is that you try out lots of different things. And that's what I'm doing at the moment. But that isn't to say I don't like returning to other recipes. And I've got a lot of Simply Nigella still coursing through my veins. I don't think anyway I'm ever going to stop making my lamb ribs with Nigella and cumin seeds. Now, of course, you've got to forgive me for using Nigella seeds, and I do use them quite a lot, because wouldn't you if your name were Nigella? But so many people ask me to make this when they come over, because lamb ribs are not known that much. I mean, don't make them if you don't like fat, that's all I'll say. Uh, But they are... Incredibly easy to make again because you just dip them in a bit of soy and garlic and nigella seeds and cumin seeds and, you know, that's it. Slow cook in the oven. Merguez meatballs, always a favourite. I do like the sort of food that you could make in advance. And although I often make these fresh, just as easy to make them in advance and then reheat them. And they're very, very easy. I should be embarrassed because really all I do is buy some Merguez sausages, those spicy lamb sausages, and I squeeze them out of their skins and roll them into meatballs and I make the sauce really out of tomatoes and, you know, those jars of char-grilled sweet bell peppers, Mm. uh, chop them up, put them in the sauce and they ooze their sweetness in and also I just get them out of their jars, drain them, chop them up, you know, with scissors or pull them apart with my fingers and put them in the sauce and it adds a richness and it thickens the sauce a bit. You don't need to eat these with rice or anything. A bit of bread dipped in, perfect. I also quite like, and I'm borrowing from the Italian tradition, quite like a meatball sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) And I think when you hit upon a recipe that's easy to make and everyone loves, of course you're going to cook it again and again. And uh, chocolate chip cookie dough pots are a case in point. It's like biscuits or cookies... Only you don't have to form them. And I cook them in little ramekins, much as I hate the word ramekin. And you can have them all squidgy in the middle and you sort of eat it with a spoon rather than crunch into it. My children always like a cookie that's really squidgy in the middle. But if you make it so desirably soft there, often when you bake it as a cookie, it can't quite hold its shape. So this way you don't need it to hold its shape. You just eat it with a spoon and the chocolate chips are beginning to melt and lose their way into the cookie dough. Now that you have whetted our appetites with those very specific dishes, I wanted to take you more towards the sort of the, the philosophy of food. And I wanted to ask a very simple question, really, but which is why you cook? What is cooking about? And I wondered whether there's a sort of a degree of mindfulness 
that you gain from the cooking that you do? Is that is that how you want people to feel when they're cooking? Well, why I cook, I suppose, is there are so many reasons why I cook. Now, of course, the first one is people need to be fed. We all need to eat. But there's more to it than that. I love the feeling of food in my hands. It makes me feel very grounded. And I also love the beauty of food. I mean, I often will put a bowl of lemons or aubergine on the table rather than flowers. But, yes, there is a degree of mindfulness. I, I know it's the kind of buzzword of the moment, so I wish I could find a different word, but I do feel that because I think in life we're so busy all the time. So to have to stand still and do something, and I don't mean anything particularly challenging or takes two hours. I mean five minutes stirring something on the stove. You can't really do anything else and you're stirring. And I always find kind of mindless, repetitive action very relaxing. But you are tethered there in the present. And I think for me, the sort of cooking, whether you're thinking about mindfulness or any other reason, is the sort of cooking that you need a certain focus. You need to pay attention, but it it mustn't be a stressful sort of attention. It mustn't rely on split-second timing. I mean, that's, for me, always important because it's too stressful. I think, anyway, it is about taking a moment out of the rest of life. But I don't want to paint this idyllic portrait of cooking. You know, one can be quite bad-tempered and still cook. I do find that helps me unwind. And I don't really think many people can cook for a dinner party, say, without feeling a teeny bit stressed, which is why I often rely on recipes I can cook in advance. And in the same way as when my children were little and they first went on to solid food I found the easiest way to feed them was you know to do that thing of making purees and putting them in the freezer and then thawing them because you know if you cook for a baby with all that effort and you know steaming and pureeing and just you know give that start giving the spoonful to the to the baby and it spits it out if you separate the effort from the feeding makes it much easier although I have rather strayed from your question (laughs) um Part of what seems to make cooking work for a lot of people is about that combination of flavours. But in order to innovate, you have to trust your palate. And I wondered, did it take you a long time to to trust your own palate and and allow it to bring flavours together? Does it sound terrible to say, no, it didn't take me very much time? (laughs) But I have cooked since I was very little. Hmm. Uh, My mother was a great believer in child labour, so I've probably been cooking since I was six, and now I'm 106. Uh, But I think everyone should trust their palate. The easiest way to do that, in fact, the easiest way to learn how to cook is to cook for yourself. Because when you cook for other people, you get a bit stressed and then things go wrong. When you cook for yourself, you know, it doesn't really matter if things don't work out. And you understand the processes of cooking more, but you also think, actually, I've just discovered I don't like cinnamon. (laughs) Um, You know, I know people always say about novel writing, you know, be personal to be universal. But obviously not everyone has the same palate. Not everyone wants coriander. In fact, a lot of people can't bear coriander. But, of course, the herb you use can be changed. And I think because so many people don't trust their palate, they feel they have to stick to a recipe completely as it is. I think when you first cook a recipe, and I'm talking about all of us here, I feel that too, you have to stick to it absolutely. And maybe even the first two times. And then later you might think, actually, I'd rather use a different spice. I'd rather have a different herb. Maybe I would like it to have a bit less lemon or a bit less lime, or maybe I want more. And I think that's what cooking is. And a recipe is often a blueprint. And I like the fact that when I write a recipe, people often say, oh, I added this and it still worked, or I added that. I think food is a conversation. 
And that's why I always love hearing about what people are cooking or how they've fiddled about with the recipe of mine. Mm. Now, you teased us earlier by saying that you're working on recipes for a new book. But I wondered, with all of those combinations and when you're working on recipes, what, what is the most fundamental marker that means that one of those recipes will end up in a book? There are lots of ways I work out whether a recipe will go into a book, but primarily it's about my instinct and intuition. Again, it goes back to palate. You know, I, I have to trust that. And I suppose that means I want to cook it again and again, and then I feel slightly annoyed I've got to do more recipes because I want to go back to that one. <laughs> and then I feel the same way about the next one. It doesn't mean to say I always feel that. I mean, all cooking is an experiment, and particularly so when you're playing about with new recipe ideas, and it's in the nature of experiments that some fail, and it can be a bit deflating, and you carry on, and sometimes those mistakes lead to better recipes. So that's really how I do it. I have to cook something again and again. It's not good enough just that a recipe works. But when my children were younger, this is how I decided. I'd imagine myself at the school gates... And a fellow parent would say, I'm going to cook this recipe. It could be anything uh, tonight. And I, if I thought, oh, I'm so excited, I can't wait to hear what you think about it. it that's, this is one, I love this recipe. Then that would go in. But if I imagine thinking, do you know, I don't know, maybe try another one. Then I knew it shouldn't go in. And it's not because a recipe doesn't work. It's not that I don't like the recipe, but I don't want to put a recipe in a book unless I love it so much that I, as I say, cook it again and again. Nigella, I think I might be the hungriest I've ever been after listening to all of that. But I just want to say a huge, huge thank you for sharing all of that. Oh, it's such a pleasure. I love talking about food. I love it very much. Thank you for listening to my summer sound bites. My latest cookbook, Simply Nigella, is out now. You can also find a selection of summer recipes on nigella.com. Do listen to the other two episodes of my summer sound bites podcast series available now. And please let me know what you're cooking this summer on Twitter using the hashtag NigellaSummer.